In goes Stewart! They've only gone and done it! And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glovers Cast. I'm not sure what edition it actually is, but 250 something, I think. And uh, I'm back. Um, you'll be pleased or, or maybe not pleased to hear. And as ever, I am joined by Mr. Ben Barrett. Good evening. Who's rubbing his eyes. Well, I don't know with disbelief, but uh, more maybe with a bit of tiredness. Uh, the latter, yes. The latter bit of tiredness. And I'm also joined by Mr. Ian Perkins. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, this evening we have a, uh, a fourth member of the quartet because we're going to try something really strange to anyone who's been listening to us for recent reason. We're going to try not to moan about things, or at least for um, a, a good chunk of this podcast anyway. So we are uh, very pleased to be joined by Brendan Owen. Obviously, uh, a lot of uh, people know as a former chair of the Glovers Trust, but also a longtime Yeovil fan and author as well. So, Brendan, welcome to the Glovers cast. Thank you very much. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. Is this your first one, Brendan, or have you been it on is, before? It is. My very first. Oh, there you go. We've got a debut. We've got a debut. Cast yeah. Virgin. <laughs> there you go right okay well off of, he's uh straight into the starting lineup <laughs> didn't didn't want to come on during the uh the turbulent years no. <laughs> that's it some would say we're still in the turbulent years Ian. yes exactly yeah when do they stop <laughs> no there's like a next level of turbulence yeah, well. oh, yeah. I, see. I see i'm with you yeah. i'm with you right, anyway come on i said yeah, no moaning and it. if avoid i can't it. moan then you can't moan as well because it's harder for me to stop moaning so Anyway, well, I know I know you two fellas have done some 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 proper research, and I'm just rocking up like not really know what's going on. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to to you, Ben. So I had this idea way back when, when things weren't going completely tipped up, that I thought we should celebrate 20 years since that magical year of 2003. And I thought well, we had some ideas. We got Kirk Jackson on. We did a blog. We did some other cool things. We've done some stuff along the way. And then I thought, what else can we do? And I thought, hang on. I remember reading a book. It happened once. So I thought I would pick the book up, which for the benefit of the tape, I'm now holding. Great audio, but I'm now holding it. And I thought, well, I'll tell you what, we need to get Brendan on because he wrote the book. So, Brendan, I, I gave you a call a long time ago and said, do you fancy coming on and talking about the good old days and your book. And you said to me, absolutely. But there's a thing. I don't think I've read it in a long time. <laughs> and I want to start by asking the question, how did it feel to pick up your own book again? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> no, it brought back a lot of really happy memories, I must say. Yeah, it's good fun. Can you believe it's been 20 years? 20 years since we did that? Now you do wonder where the time's gone, don't you? All those promotions and all those relegations in between. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah. 
know, some some heady days and some heady lows, but that's that's what Yeovil Town uh, supporting has been for for people at the moment, isn't it? Certainly is. It's a total roller coaster, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We could do with some stability, but then I'm not going to moan about it. No, no, no. We can't. We can't talk about that. We got to go back to summer 2003, and yeah. uh, won the won the uh, obviously the FA Trophy. The uh, well, no, that was the season we'd won the FA Trophy, wasn't it? And um, you know, the, we we felt like we were we were on the up. Then we we had uh, the likes of John Goddard Watts, obviously in the in the boardroom just about then. I think who was uh, who was looking after us uh, off the field. I mean. What what do you remember about being a supporter that at that point, Brendan? It must have been a special time. It was a special time. It was a, it was a time of hope, really. I mean, we'd had the Graham Roberts era, bringing us back up from the ISIS. Um, yeah, and I think I was a lot more naive in those days. I didn't think about what was going on in the boardroom. Um, all I was really looking at was these eleven guys running about on the pitch, giving their all. And entertaining us week in, week out. Um, yeah, it was it, it was a much more simple time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days, eh? <laughs> Blimey, yeah. I, I mean, I'm guessing. When did you actually start supporting uh, Brendan? Were you how long? Yeah, 1976. I, I was living in um, near South End in Essex. Right. And I, I got so you promotion. thought I would support you over town, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I've been watching South End for some years because as a kid I went to live there, having left Somerset. But it was an opportunity through a job to come back to Somerset. So we jumped at it. And the day we moved in, um, we, we took a flat above the magistrate's court in Petter's Way. Right. And uh, as the removal van was emptying, I heard a roar in the town. And I thought, Hang on, that sounds like a football crowd. Yeah. And of course, it was the old Hewish. And uh, the very next game, my wife and I went along to watch it. And the rest was history, really. We got sucked in and never got spat out again. <laughs> what do you remember about the old Hewish? I mean, even I'm too young to remember that um, that that place. Even me, even me, yeah. Um, but uh, we've obviously heard from the likes of you know, Mickey Spencer and Neil Coates and whatever. And they, they used to talk about how it was a proper old ground. You were literally on top of the players at some point. Absolutely. I mean, the main stand was all wood and yeah. you know, wooden, wooden seats to sit on. And and then on the other side, I remember the wall collapsing when we had Hereford in the, in the cup, I think it probably was. Yeah, it was a very tight ground. I took my son to watch QPR in the cup, uh, his first match. And, and everybody was absolutely jam-packed in there, but they were kind enough to allow us to get to the front so that he could actually see. But it was really, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder um, -shoulder stuff. Yeah, primitive, really, but great fun. And I, <laughs> when, when we left Hewish, the last match, I remember going onto the pitch afterwards and digging up uh, a, a square of turf which I took with me, and it's it's still growing nicely in my garden. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> it, but it's there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you can't quite identify the square now. No, no. <laughs> it's just a bit of a slope. Yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the water puddles there, I think. <laughs> so, when did you decide you were going to write a book about you know that season, and was it something you were doing throughout the season? How how did you? Yeah, come across the idea. I'd um, I'd done a creative writing course, um, and I had to do all sorts of d 
different projects. And right towards the end of the course, it said, why not write a book? And I thought, give over. Come well, why not? A book? Don't be daft. So <laughs> I wrote a book, uh, nothing to do with football. Um, and I really enjoyed doing it. And then I'd become a devotee of Ciderspace and all things Badger. And one day a publisher came on the site there and said he was looking for someone to write a book. Would you like to submit, I don't know, 500 words or something as to why you support Yeovil and why you should write a book? Well, I, I just penned the 500 words and sent it off and thought no more about it, really. And then he came back to me and damn it, I had to write the book then. <laughs> <laughs> but what, um, was the, what was the first book you wrote about them? Oh, that was about um, a union man. Um, huh? I, live in, I live in Montacute near Yeovil. Uh, and this guy called George Mitchell was born there, 1826. He was a, a ploughboy, really, um, and starving in the fields and all that sort of stuff. Eventually, he became a marble mason in London, uh, but he didn't forget the plight of the people back home and, and joined the Agricultural Labourers Union as wow. a big sportsman and came back and did big rallies on Ham Hill, 20,000 strong and things. Amazing, really. Uh, so I wrote a book about him. Right. <laughs> OK, that's, that is quite different then. <laughs> yeah, it is really, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the other book, wow, I, I, I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Because I and I, I surprised myself really because I'm not a terribly disciplined, um, methodical sort of person. But after each game, the, on the Sunday morning, I would sit down and type up all my notes and bits and bobs, and I just kept it flowing as the season went on. And it it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. I guess it's quite easy when it's something you really enjoy and you probably had as much fun thinking back on the Sunday morning as you actually did watching it happen live on the Saturday. Absolutely yeah and I was always looking for odd little things that were going on off the pitch you know who'd put the latest hoarding up you know for some weird company and things and if if the opposition scored a goal I'd be looking at that hoarding instead you know that sort of nonsense was going in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I love I was reading back through some of it myself and, and actually you've you've kind of already mentioned him there, but I think I don't think it's ever something we can underestimate just how important Cider Space and Badger and his little team was. You you credit them in the book a number of times, um, refer to it sort of in passing a number of times, and you've even name checked it already here today. When we look back on that era, how important was that as a sort of a place for Yeovil Town fans to go electronically? Oh, I think it was very very important really um if you'd taken that uh, out of the equation what did you have you had the western gazette and the western gazette really uh, that was about it um so badger setting up cyberspace with hewish hue and um taff and, um, and yes uh, brought it right into our homes in fact i looked at it quite a lot while I was at work as well which <laughs> <laughs> not the thing to do but I couldn't resist it and I had to keep turning on to see the latest news and of course we were given the latest news all the time I mean it was so up to date even those at Yeovil Town didn't know about it until they read it you know it was it was a spectacular um information platform yeah 
I remember, um, I don't know if you remember, maybe when you were, um, I know you'd, you'd probably been in Yeovil then. Do you remember the old mailing lists that there were? I remember being subscribed to, and that's where I first met Badger, or, or at least saw his name anyway, on a mailing list. And it used to come into your inbox, into your email at the beginning of uh, the, the beginning and the end of the day. And it was all just like a, like a message board, but it came through on a, on an email. Do you remember those? No, I didn't. I didn't have that. I must yeah. have missed out on that. No, that's where the, that's where the, it was, there's still as many crazies as there are on social media now. They just only came into your inbox on two, two emails a day. So yeah, <laughs> contain the craziness. Um, you, you wrote a book after as well, didn't you? For the following season but before yeah. we go into that one how how important do you think it is for like the younger generations to look back on 2002 2003 and that era and just appreciate what those players and staff did for the town and for the club i think it's very important if you if you're not aware of the history of our club then what are you looking at and at the moment you're looking at rubbish but we're not rubbish we're Yeovil Town and we have a great history that goes way back. And every now and again, if somebody can document a period of that history, I think that's important really for the young ones to, okay, perhaps they don't read books as much as they used to, but I think it's important that they have a place that they could go to see what it was like when Gary Johnson was the manager, when Kevin Gore was banging in the goals. Yeah, because they haven't got that at the moment. But in times to come, there'll be another chapter of the history that someone will write and they can look back on that as well and compare and contrast. Yeah, vitally important, I think. Mm. Were there any moments in that season and in the book that stick out to you as sort of really memorable times that sort of come to life in the in the book? Yeah. When I've been asked that several times by people and by, it's not really the football, it's um, Graham Wesley, the Farnborough manager. <laughs> when we played Farnborough down at Dorchester, it was an evening game, and I'd hurt my back a few days before, so I didn't want to stand behind the goal, so I managed to get one of the few tickets to sit down. So <laughs> Lynn and I sat down to watch the match, and Graham Wesley got sent off by the referee from the dugout, so he had to come up into the main stand. And he wouldn't sit down. So the people behind him were shouting and screaming at him. And he was shouting down instructions to the, the players and those that were in the dugout. And in the end, it was getting very, very heated. And the stewards demanded that he either sat down or they take him out. Well, he, he just wouldn't sit down. So he hung on to the metal um, barrier and the stewards had him by the legs and they were pulling him off the barrier and he was horizontal at this stage and the, the rest of the crowd were cheering and shouting and well it was total pantomime I, I, it was perfect that <laughs> we had a ringside seat of that and it was one of the funniest moments i've seen really it was really good couldn't happen to a nicer man eh it couldn't could it really <laughs> it, it was pure pantomime <laughs> <laughs> that's not our first Graham Wesley story on the Glover's cast. And I don't no, think so. no, funny. <laughs> oh dear. I'm just rereading that now. You actually use the word 
um, a ringside seat in there as well after being politely advised for Wesley to sit down, which he did. But within a second or two, he was back at the rail again, advised to sit. But by now he was having none of it. John Fry comes down to try and defuse the situation, but to no avail. <laughs> I'd forgotten John Fry's part in it. <laughs> <laughs> He said after the game in a radio interview, there was no reason for his eviction from the ground and demanded a replay as his team had been deprived of his excellent managerial leadership. I reckon they'll be all right, Graham, to be honest, mate. What was the score on the day? Oh, I don't remember that one. No, we won. I remember. I want to say 2-0. Well, let's have a look because it's all in the back of the book. Oh, There's a race right. here. There's a race between Brendan and Ben oh, oh, to see oh, who can oh, find oh, it oh, first. Oh, oh, oh. Hang on. There's a lot, it's a lot to get through. It's a lot of details. It's a lot of details. Should, should, should we be... Uh, 3rd of September, 2-0. No, I said 2-0. Johnson in the 72nd. Crowd, 2,231. No mention of a replay either. So Graham clearly no. didn't get his no, wish. No <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. We, I've had such good fun doing being part of this Glover's cast and looking back at that team and being able to be part of that Legends game that took place last summer, it's hard not to draw comparisons. If you could have picked that 2003 team up, where would you drop it in today's football pyramid? I think the way they all gelled together and knew exactly what they were meant to be doing, I think I'd put them in the championship. I completely agree, and I think they'd probably hold their own. I think they would. I think they would. They knew what it was to be a team. That was the thing, I think. But there was a lot of quality there as well, wasn't there? I mean, you think about the likes of McIndoe, Johnson and, 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 and so forth. There was, um, there was some real quality there as well, wasn't there? There was. There was. And when Kevin Gall came and joined them as well, I mean, wow. <laughs> Who, who's, your, who's your favourite player from that? time that generation gavin williams yeah i think that's the correct answer that's the right answer yeah, yeah. <laughs> i loved his style and i loved his cheek yeah <laughs> would, would you say he was still your favorite player now if you had all, all the seasons that you could you select from yes yeah still yeah. still gone yeah yeah mm. yes none of the present crop can no, no, but I was talking about the you know sort of the later Johnson period or even even later 2013 period. Well, yeah, and we had Chris Cohen in the middle of that as well. I think that that team often gets a little bit forgotten about sandwiched yeah. in between yeah. Gary Johnson. But yeah. So how did you, the success of the first book, you decided to do another one for the following yeah. season, the first season in the Football League? The publishers came back again, surprisingly, and said, "Would you write another one?" <laughs> there it is. The yeah, and I've got, I've got this one here. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, one was, uh, that one as well. <laughs> nah. Sorry, I was going to say, which one was that? That was that the one through the green door? Or is that the um... behind the green door? Behind the green door. That was the first season in the league. Yeah. Mm. Did you? I, I was going to ask what happened on the opening day of the season of the first day because you were meant to be at a wedding, um, according to the back end of this book. Did you go I to the wedding, wedding or did you make your excuses? <laughs> I didn't dare. It was my eldest son's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> How did he pick that day to get married? Well, uh, 
ridiculous. It was partly my fault because I should have flagged it up earlier, but I was working on the old um, conference uh, fixture calendar and they started a week later. So I'd have been in the clip, yeah, a week later. Oh, okay. I see. So I thought, I thought the season started on the 16th of August or whenever it was instead of the 8th. And because of my horror, there it was, Rochdale away. And uh, <laughs> I remember being in the, the wedding car with my son and my wife, uh, uh, one of these big hired things that we had. And um, radio, what was it? Hmm. Well, the sports program on Radio 5, I think it was, mm. came on uh, and did an interview while I, I was back in the back of this car driving to the wedding. And uh, <laughs> I had to be very sort of diplomatic about what I said. But of course, a big chunk of me would have loved to have been on the coach going to Rochdale, but uh, it was not to be. But I kept in contact, um, obviously through the reception. I was aware of the scores coming in all the time. And every now and again, there was a big cheer from me. And <laughs> funny enough, there was an, people on another table who actually lived in Rochdale. <laughs> so that made it even more delicious. <laughs> I suppose back then you were having to sneak out and find CFAX or something. Yeah, it, you know, it was, it was weird. Uh, I can't remember what I used, but I was up to date with it. And then when it was all over, I was able to phone Gary Johnson in Rochdale and we had a good old chat about it, which was quite nice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask that because on the in the book, you you got a bit of access around the football club yeah. during that season, didn't you? What was that like? I was very lucky, really. Gary was very accommodating, as I'm sure you would imagine. Uh, he was a delight to be around, to be honest. He was funny. He had lovely stories. He, he was really good stuff. Um, some of the others weren't so good. John Fry, second time around, was a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'd fallen out of love with him after the first book. <laughs> if, I remember, if I remember John Fry, Brendan, you couldn't keep him brief enough to be, you need another book because oh, uh, his stories went on forever. Yeah, he just rambled, didn't he, really? He did, yeah, it was like a mystery. You, you get to the end of it and you were like, what has he actually said to me here? Absolutely. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's dreadful. But uh, access to the, the players and the club was great. Absolutely great. Um, they invited me to go with them on their coach up to the Doncaster away game. Yeah. And we stayed overnight at a hotel. Um, yeah, in Doncaster, I guess it must have been. Um, and that, that was a revelation. I went to the team talk with Gary Johnson. Um, uh, and I was treated, you know, as as one of the the whole team group, which was brilliant. And the players were very nice. You know, they they wanted to chat. Nick Crittenden was um, good company. He wanted to do a creative writing course as well. So I I, I sent him all the all the books and things that I'd had. Now whether he ever did it, I don't know. But um, yeah, he was he was quite an intelligent lad, Nick Crittenden. He was. Uh, you know, slightly different to some of them, but um, not that I'm saying any of them were stupid or anything, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, I'm thinking myself a hole here. Did you take any football boots with you in the off chance? Oh, it would have been good, wouldn't it? But <laughs> I did act as a linesman in their practice game in the morning before oh, the right. game. Yeah, we, we, they, they couldn't find a football pitch uh, to train on. 
Uh, so we had to sort of search out a place and we came across a cricket pitch and there was some old boy was tending his wicket lovingly and, and Gary said you know, would you mind if we played on the the outfield and then he was he was fine about it and so we set up you know some posts and a few jumpers for, <laughs> for goal posts and things like that and I was a linesman and I really enjoyed that. <laughs> did they give you any stick when you made a, a, a wrong decision did you get an in the neck from Skibbo or somewhere? No, they were very polite, actually. Oh, were they? Um, you know, they saw this old gentleman running up and down on the line, and they, <laughs> did, they didn't want to give me too much grief, I don't think. <laughs> they thought you'd write it up in the book otherwise, wouldn't you? No, that's right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> It says something, I think, actually, that you had that access. And I'm just rereading some of the words, actually, that Gary wrote in the in the foreword of of the first book, Yeovil Till I Die. And I think it says something. The words I wrote for Gary to. I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) Supposed to keep some of this secret, Brendan. Um, But it does speak to how the football club as a whole just got it when it came to its role within the town, within the community, within within its supporters base, didn't it? It did, it did. Because at that time, all the players lived locally. You could see them in, in Middle Street. You could have a chat with them in the supermarket. They were around and they were part of our community. Yeah, it, it was important, I think, at that time for them to gel like that yeah. with themselves or with each other and with the fans. And, and it worked a treat, really. I've told the story a couple of times on this podcast about how I was playing at Ilminster Town youth level and without fail, two, three, four, five of them would turn up at the end of season awards thing at the Shrubbery Hotel in Ilminster and hand out these little prizes and there would be under eights all the way up to under 16s and they'd stand there and everyone would get the same treatment and everyone would get the same time and effort. And you just, you look back on it now and I probably took it for granted at the time. But you look back on that and I just think they just got it. They got what it meant to be in the community. Yeah. And to youngsters, it leaves such a great impression, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah, without question. want to go and see their heroes play at Hewish Park. Yeah. We had them come into our school for like when we did football sessions after school. Um, And they'd come in, you'd get like a couple of players come in like a couple of weeks in a row as well and that kind of thing and I remember nutmegging Michael McKinder and I think that's where it all went wrong (laughs) (laughs) he never recovered some say no yeah did he write about that in his book I don't know I've not been able to get a copy of it but and like like you said we'd go out for dinner and stuff and you'd see him out just having a pint and having a dinner with their families and things like that and it was just that sort of yeah just normal people but also a little bit like these are like Manchester United players walking around the town (laughs) (laughs) oh dear when you look back on that era Brendan what's the first match you think of is it one of those at the end or is there like a special game that holds a a moment for you yeah actually the very first game because we had to go down to Dorchester, you may recall, for the first few games. Um, and we played Gravesend. And having won the FA uh, Trophy at the end of the season before, we were really full of hope that this was going to be the big season. And of course, within a few minutes, Adam Stansfield lay with a broken leg mm. and oxygen on his face. And I thought, oh, heck, here we go again. 
you know, this isn't in the script. This isn't how it should be. And that was a really, oh, really sad time that afternoon down there at, at Dorchester. He'd been a star, uh, hadn't he, of that season when we won the, won the trophy? Stansfield, oh, was it? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he was a, a very good forward, a very good forward. Uh, and it was just such a crying shame to see him laying there. I mean, he, you know, the goalkeeper hit him at such a rate of knots. It wasn't true. Um, yeah. So that was that, that. That If people say, you know, what do you remember from the start of that season? That immediately comes into my mind. And, I, you know, dreadful. Again, I've, I've, forgive me for quoting your own words back to you, but just the way you put it, you sort of you can almost be taken back to there uh, this is not right you say he's the lad who grinned and swore live on telly he did didn't he as he celebrated <laughs> lifting the FA Trophy just a couple of months ago he's a superb athlete he cannot break that easily but he has seemingly innocuous clashes are often the most dangerous polite applause greets his departure I am sick to my stomach a season 20 minutes old and it brings us to this what did we do wrong could you have imagined at that point where it would take us the following 95 points and the records that would be broken must have felt a long way away at that point oh yes yes i mean uh, as uh, as i say you know i was i was devastated really for for adam absolutely devastated but devastated for all us fans and the club itself of course and yeah if you told me we were going to go on and be champions at that time i would have still been sick to my stomach yeah Amazing. I've loved your the way you you talk about your routines, about mm-hmm. how you are nervous 10 hours ago before kickoff. You've got the goosebumps. You've hung your flags out of the window to let your fellow villagers know that it was match day and things like that. <laughs> Do you still get those goosebumps? Are they still in there when big days come around? I have to confess, no, I don't. I've That's had those sad. goosebumps knocked out of me over the last well several seasons to be honest yeah um i've realized that drinking out of a glover's uh, mug first thing in the morning is not going to improve that performance on the pitch it took me a while to get to that point but i've arrived <laughs> that's that's quite sad because anyone who's read the way you write in this book in the emotive language you use the fact that anyone can feel the feelings that I'm reading with the feelings that you've just expressed there to go on that journey is genuinely, that's quite a sad thing, actually. If you'll forgive me a, a slight moment of down. I know we're talking very positive about an amazing <laughs> era, but to hear you say that doesn't feel like I'm, it's the same person that wrote the words that I'm reading here. No, I'm 20 years older. <laughs> 20 years wiser much, maybe much wiser. <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping that if we can get you know new sensible owners who are going to restore our club that i will be able to get that excitement on a saturday morning back it would be lovely i'd even go out and buy another glover's mug <laughs> you heard it here first the merch will follow <laughs> Do you, you think you, you you would ever write another book, Brendan, about maybe a more recent period? I'm not necessarily talking about, although it could be um, everything that you've done with the, with the Glovers Trust. Do you, you think there's a there's a book in that? Um, 
I suppose if you add insomnia, you might want to pick up a book <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's some interesting <laughs> anecdotes to come out of it. Oh, dear. No, to be honest, I don't think um, I've got it in me now to, to write another book. Certainly not about the, the ins and outs of what, what happens behind the scenes, because, oh, so much of it is frustrating and annoying and aggravating. And, and it, it wouldn't read well in a book, to be honest. It really wouldn't. You have to let, let one of the younger members of the Glovers Trust of that period to uh, write a book. Hey, yes, I'll, I'll pass the baton on. Yeah. <laughs> Just pass it up. Yeah. Ian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, Ian. Yes. You've got look all those look all those books behind you, Ian. You've you've de you've definitely got a book in you, Ian, mate. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh no, thank you. <laughs> it's only twelve months or so. It's not long. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to explain that one. <laughs> yeah. Do you think a big part? Do you think? all the stuff that you've done over the last few years and trying to reconcile that off the pitch stuff. Do you think that's taken away from your love of what happens on the pitch? Like knowing all that behind the scenes and all the stuff that goes on, you can't just go to a game on a Saturday and enjoy it because you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I sit in the uh, screw fix stand. So I looked directly across at the main stand where if we had any directors, they would sit. Um, and I, I try and sort of see, or I, I did when I was doing it, if John Fry was sat in his seat and if he wasn't there, I was thinking, why isn't he here today? What's going on? And Hayward and yeah, it, it muddied the waters, to be honest. It really did. A shame in a way. I mean, I, th there's a lot of people who, We'll just rock up at three o'clock, enjoy or not enjoy the football, go home and put it to bed. But unfortunately, over the years, I've not been able to do that. And I've got, well, as you know, I've got involved in the behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes I regret that I got so deep into it, to be honest. But I, th I, would, I would say I think it's important that there are supporters who do get deep into it because look at the situation we're going into it look at the situation we find ourselves in now and uh it's great frustration to me and i'm sure it's to you that you know two and a half years ago we were screaming about what's going to happen and what yeah. we thought is going to happen and now we're almost <laughs> it feels like we could be days away from days away from it happening and it, it yeah it's you know, you can yeah. only do what you can do. I feel like Ben's trying to bring it back to... Uh... <laughs> it's a happier time. <laughs> he's, he's trying to time travel. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> I'm not at all. I, th th these are important questions. You're an incredibly well-respected uh, supporter, um, Brendan. And I, I think to hear you say things like that you may have regretted going down the path that you did is 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 a little bit heartbreaking to be honest with you because actually I feel like you're somebody who a lot of Yeovil fans hugely respect and have done for however long it has been because originally you were an author you're just a you're a supporter who got involved too deep and I hope that whatever happens in the near future that that feeling in, in itself 
goes away or or flips on its head and becomes actually I'm glad I got involved at that point because it was the start of something. Yeah, yes, I, I, probably part of my sort of jaundiced um, views at the moment are to do with the the state that the club is in and and that the the downward spiral that we've been in for so many years, it, it tends to, well, it certainly drags me down and I can't be as bouncy and upbeat as I was when I wrote those few books. You know, I was all sort of jolly hockey sticks with that, but I, I find it difficult to be like that today. Um, I have no regrets about being a founder member of the Glover's Trust. I think it was important at that time that the supporters had the opportunity, if they wished, to really band together and try and, at that time, we, we wanted to help the club. We wanted to bring in people who had some expertise in things to try and assist them with the problems that they were obviously having because they had no revenue streams coming in. They needed assistance, but unfortunately, they didn't really want to know. We had a few meetings with them and we tried to explain the nature of a trust and, and what we could bring to the party but you know John Fry etc they, they didn't want to know and so then we became not hostile to them although some claimed we were hostile um, and others said we were too soft on them you couldn't win um, <laughs> and unfortunately we never got enough members of the trust to be able to say look we are a large uh, percentage of the fan base therefore we we demand to be heard and to be taken seriously we never got the numbers and uh that that's a big regret of mine that we we couldn't get our message over to enough supporters it's hard not to look at that final conference table to bring it back to 2003 doncaster <laughs> doncaster morecambe dagenham and redbridge forest green rovers stevenage Lots and lots of football league teams. Burton Albion, of course, would go on and have a crack at the championship, much like we would eventually. It's hard not to look at those teams and think, we're of those teams that have gone on to have football league stints. We're one of the few that have dropped back down. And then you've got Scarborough, who no longer exists. You've got others, Chester City, no longer exist. Lee RMI and so on and so forth. It's hard not to look at those other teams and go, we've had a go at being one of that little group and you know, be fearful that we might end up going the other way. Yeah, it, it, it's surprising, isn't it? When mm. you, 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 over the years, I've, I've always thought that the football league, that the clubs that play the big 72 or whatever they are, um, have always stayed that way. But when you look now at the Stockports and the Salfords, and as you say, the Forest Green, um, wherever Harrogate, all those have come come in and forced out quite a lot of the larger clubs, Southend and Halifax, Chesterfield. Well, you can go on and on, can't you? Yeah, it well, Scunthorpe, are, Scunthorpe are heading into regional Scunthorpe, football next season, just like we are. Rochdale just slipping out now. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it, it, it's a, a real revolving door, to be honest. But I'm just sad that we got so tangled up in that revolving door and we've revolved a few too many times. That's the trouble. I... <laughs> You again, I'm just looking through some of these numbers here. We fell just short of a hundred thousand people through the turnstiles that season. There's no question in my mind, there's never been a question in my mind that there are people in the Oval area that will come and watch a 
united in form football team on its doorstep is there enough in that and maybe some of the stuff you've read going back over your old your old books over those those past couple of weeks and months since since I first called you is there enough in there that gives you hope that it can revive itself this football club can do a 180 and start the climb back up yes yes um what sort of supporter would I be if I thought we could never never rise again I mean hope springs eternal doesn't it um there's always going to be a phoenix from the flames and why shouldn't it be Yeovil Town? Yes, I think so. There is the fan base. OK, over the last couple of years, that fan base has voted with its feet and mostly stayed away. And obviously a lot have changed their weekend lifestyles and don't need the football. But I think, if you, as you say, if we had a successful operation at Hewish Park, sensible people who knew how to look after supporters, a decent team, yeah, they'd be back and, and we'd be on our way up again. I'm sure of it. Told I just hope I, I live long enough to see it. Uh, <laughs> Brendan, what do you remember about that that sort of mid 90s season where we um where we went down to the level that we are at now? Like you said, you mentioned about Graham Roberts and and, and all of that. Yeah. I mean, that did feel like a low that gave us a bounce, really. And being at that level and being such a big fish in a smaller pond gave us the opportunity to bounce again, if I recall rightly. Yeah, absolutely. It, it did. I mean, you think relegation, oh, hell, that's the end of the world. Mm. But when that next season started and you were off to some funny little places and funny little grounds, but you had a great day out mm. and Oval would win. Yeah. You didn't need anything else, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was good fun. I remember going to Oxford City um, and we, we got to Oxford and, and my wife and I had a look around the city centre and, and we thought, well, time's getting on. We better get out to the ground. And uh, I asked a couple of people where Oxford City's ground was. They hadn't got a clue. Nice. <laughs> Not a clue. And so it took us a while to get there. And it was a funny little place. And they had a tiny little social club behind one of the goals and a great big net to stop the ball breaking the windows at the social club. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was primitive, but great fun. And uh, the away supporters were, yeah, we were upbeat because we were winning. I suppose that, that's, that's the bottom line for football fans, and it really win. And everybody's happy, no matter what else is happening. Yeah, but, um, yeah it was a catalyst for, you know, us coming back and, and being proud again of being Yeovil supporters. And I mean, if you think about again. that, that was, what, 95, 96? And then, yeah. you know, yeah. it was only... Uh, you know, five or six years later, that we were into the sort of Gary Johnson years. Yeah, yeah. And what a time that was! I mean, unbelievable, really. I mean, mm. that was the best thing Fry and Hayward ever did was to appoint Gary Johnson. They didn't do anything else, but they appointed Gary Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> For that, I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that feels like a great place to yeah. <laughs> to wrap that up because yeah. Your your line that a phoenix always rises from the flames. Yeah, we can uh, do it. There's enough hope there. I think that I'd I'd like to end with the last line in the book, if at all possible. I hope to meet you all again one day in the football league. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Thank you very much for your time, Brendan. I really appreciate you, you. you hanging Thank out you with us and, uh, and, and chatting about it. Go, go and find the book. They're still online somewhere. Just Google it. You can find them. Buy it. Do it. Huge thanks to Brendan for coming on and uh, reminding us of the good old days. Uh, wouldn't be a Glover's cast without a bit of a moan. So we've put the call out for GCQs. But before we do that, uh, anything we need to talk about? Bournemouth? Much point bothering? Um, yeah, You're both I'm, going. You're both going. I know I am going. Why, Dave, why are we going? Why are you going? Because <laughs> we're stupid. That's why we're going. My train we don't back, know my... any better, that's why. My train back is so late as well. Like, what? Why? You're on radio, aren't you? I know. I know. Yeah, I do question your judgment, but there we are. Just just for dotting I's and crossing T's, Borenwood lost in midweek against Gateshead, their second in a row, which means if they are to make the playoffs, they have to get something against us because there are both Southend and Eastleigh on 66 points who could overtake them. So Borenwood do at least need the game to happen. We, I don't think, could really care less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could party poop. There's the motivation. There's your motivation. Go and poop Borenwood's <laughs> party for some reason. I, uh, I was listening back to uh, Sunday's podcast with uh, with, with Watsy, and uh, I did feel rather bad that I, I got bent and worked up about old and athletic saying it could. The, the emphasis was on the word could. It could <laughs> be this. It could be that. I didn't say it would be. Could did a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, it did do a lot of heavy lifting there. Yeah, probably going to do it again. On the plus side, I went to Hewish Park this week and I saw a win. Yes, and goals. A green team win. And a clean sheet. Yeah, a clean-o. Clevo. Clevo wasn't there. But yeah, I was there. Uh, Charlie Bateson. Get him in. Yeah, nice little tap-in. And I forgive me, I've forgotten the name of the lad who scored the second one. The second one was a good goal. A nice finish. Arden? New, Olden. Mason Olden. Mason Olden, yes. Olden, not Alden, not Arden. Apologies. Sorry, Mason. It was a, yeah, a nice little finish. And well done to the Andre teens and Matt Percival, former Glover's cast, not quiz champion, that's Rob, um, former Glover's cast guest. Came on at the start of the season to, to talk about his plans. And yeah, no, it was a, I felt it was a nice way to, you know, wrap up what's been a big season for them. And nice to do it at Hewish Park with some people there watching. That was nice. Were there many there? Uh, I don't, not, not particularly. There was no sort of announcements or, you know, there was just, they left a gate open for people to come in. Yeah, might be a bit, might be a bit like that next season. Yeah, yeah. Anyone, anyone fancies wandering in? Doors open. Yeah, help, let yourself in. <laughs> can I, can I give a little shout out on th- on uh, on Monday night? I was in Amsterdam and uh, I had a uh, Yeovil Town therapy session in uh, Amsterdam Airport with um, Ed Turnbull, a Yeovil fan, formerly of this um, this parish, who where he pointed out to me that he was the one who dethroned. Rob Manley as Glover's Cast Quiz Champion. Oh, so wow. he's asked that if I do refer to him, I refer to him as former Glover's Cast Quiz Champion Ed Turnbull. So there you go, Ed. I've I've done that thing for you. 
was Ed in Amsterdam? Or the other? Ed was in Ed was in Amsterdam, was he? He was in Amsterdam. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing a training course for. Uh, uh, I can't remember. I told him he was the Wolf of Wall Street, but it was that it's that kind of thing, you know. Like uh, he he told me it's not where they they don't all sit in a pit these days and shout at each other and wave bits of paper. They all just look at numbers uh, on a on a screen. Exchange. Like um, uh, what do you call it? Like in uh, yeah, trader. Oh, okay. Thing, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> But the company he works for is Dutch, so head office in Amsterdam. So, yeah, I um, can't remember how, but he, he messaged me and said he was there. So I said, oh, well, funnily enough, I'm going to be there as well. So I spent a lot of time on a, on a hotel shuttle bus that night. Uh, yeah, yeah, went to and from and from again. Well, Amsterdam, yeah? Yeah. School. Smoking a pancake? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. And we need to shout out for the Glovies as well. We've yes. Got, we've got that to look forward to. I can't wait. Yeah. We've had quite a lot of we've had quite a lot of votes already. I haven't looked at the vote. I've looked at the poll we, we put out about if people think the takeover is going to go through. Yeah. Uh that's doing numbers. Um, if you've not done it yet, uh don't think you're gonna tip the balance too much. Uh 699 people have voted and 576 don't think the takeover will be completed. And uh, that's 82% of the voters, and 18% think that it will. What, three, uh, 600 and how many? 576 don't think the takeover will go through. 123 think the takeover will go through. So twice as many people have voted in that than voted in the Glovies. Only 370 for player of the season. Even less for young player of the season. I like the fact that someone's clicked on player of the season and gone, nope, none of the young players deserve any credit whatsoever. There you go. Ben's said his bit. Please, yeah. come on. Up it. Vote. And whilst you're voting, you can still vote for us in that non-league Bible thing. I think the voting's loan for that. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Bloody hell. Thank you. We've not won already. Are they not giving up? When we uh, nominated, we were in the National League. By the time we win it, we'll be in National League South. <laughs> win it. There's three Wrexham podcasts in there. We ain't got a chance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they won't be in it next year, will they? No. No, it's true. Good. They'll have Gareth Bell playing for him by the sounds of things. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, right. Really? Gareth uh, Ryan Reynolds has tweeted a picture of uh, Gareth Bell in a Wrexham shirt running away celebrating the goal, like a Photoshop thing. Sick They've been playing already. golf or something, haven't they? Or some, I don't know. I don't care. Uh, okay. Do some damn questions. Do some damn questions. Uh, I think this is going to cheer us up. <laughs> Palace Glover. Stoney says, how long is a piece of string? As long you, as you want it to be. Probably shorter than this fucking takeover. <laughs> At least wow. have some information about it. Uh, information about the string. Yeah, twice the length from the middle to the end. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Jonathan Adams. Evening, guys. Evening. <laughs> Down in a cup of tea, I think. Uh, do you think Weymouth will stay up? He's included the asterisk. For the eat, yeah. Uh, Brad, uh, if so, will this be the biggest game next season? Sorry, Ben. What other games are you looking forward to? As an exile, I'm quite looking forward to the number in and around the home counties. Weymouth play Dover on the final day of the season. Uh, Weymouth have 45 points. Dover have 48. Weymouth's goal difference is slightly better, though. So a win for Weymouth would 
probably put them above Dover. Um, will they? Um, I hope not. Big Stewie Nelson's in goal for um, for Dover. Yeah. So <laughs> big, 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 well, Stewie. Big. <laughs> big Stewie Nelson, Clino, sort <laughs> us out. Agent Nelson, doing us all a favour. Agent Nelson. Can I just bring <laughs> bring us down to earth with a fucking giant bump? Um, oh, please, yeah, because we're so high at the moment. <laughs> Dover went down. Dover went down last year, didn't they? Yeah. Dover went down from our league and Weymouth went down from our league. Yep. If anyone is thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to piss the National League South, let's just take a quick look at that situation and how, you know, one of them is going to be exiting National League South after playing in the National League the season before. Um, yeah, sorry. There's that. All right, Captain um, Cheerful. Sorry, sorry. We just got to level some of the cheer out. Um, right, back to the cheer. Yeah, P.S. Max Evans also had a loan spell at Bedford Town. They were also relegated. Does that count as a triple? Yeah. How unlucky did you have to be to get relegated three times in a season? Yeah, and you wanted to be our backup keeper, Ben. Yeah. I don't think any of the relegations were his fault. No. <laughs> uh, P.P.S. from Jonathan Adams. Can't be bothered with the rumours anymore. Kesara, Sara. Whatever will be. Uh, Chris Sweet has to fill the Going to St. Albans City. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Uh, Chris Sweet says to fill the summer void. Can a member of your team produce a series of fascinating features on them doing various sports in their local area? I I, 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 I would pay good money. I would pay at least 70 pence every Wednesday to read about that. I've got a um, a photograph of me, uh, a, a strider. Very big horse looking absolutely oh. terrified. Yeah, you, you <laughs> wondered where that was going then, didn't you? So, yep. Croquet so on the field. You're, you're the one with the experience of, of this sort of challenge. Do you think? Well, you can... I, I mean, I think I've shown you two the way, haven't I? You know, the younger crop. Uh, I've uh, I've done my I've done my bit. Well, I think Sweeter should give it a go. He's uh he's a horse racing man, isn't he? I want to see him on the back of uh, what, what do they call horses these days? Horses. Horses. Yep. No, they'll have. <laughs> What's a famous horse called these days? My day was all well, Desert Orchid, something like that. All right. Yeah. It, it, I, I wouldn't want to see him on the back of Desert Orchid. No, exactly. He'd, yeah, yeah. he'd have to do a lot of digging. Yeah, um, under. yeah on, on the back of Tiger Roll. Let's go with that. Tiger Roll, yeah. Love a Tiger Roll. Ben knows the horses. Yeah. Dan Cabell, one lone player you would like to have as a permanent signing at YTFC on a Chelsea special long contract. What? Ever? Or this season? This season. Um, let's go this season, shall we? I'd have Edwin Abadji back. Oh, yeah. Don't mind that. I don't think I can't think of too many others that have. Bevan. Yeah, but you're never going to get him back, are you? Well, it's, a, it's a hypothetical question, Dave. Oh, right. Okay. Right then. <laughs> Bevan it is, though. Uh, I think it'd be a bit unfair of us to have him back, don't you? <laughs> I heard him say how he, uh, uh, after the game on Saturday, because he was there just for the final home game, and he, he did say how much he's loved uh, his season at Hewish Park and enjoyed every minute of it. Which, glad, I'm glad someone has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, are you sure about this? <laughs> um, Dan has also asked, do you believe fan ownership would ever work at YTFC? I mean, 
Don't from what know. Brendan's just said about the Glover's Trust and not being able to get enough um, uh, enough members, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's enough people out there who um, who who would be willing to put money in, but I just don't think our fan base is big enough to. You'd have to put substantial amounts of money into it, wouldn't you? Or you have a smaller number of people who've got much bigger shareholdings than than than, than others. I, yeah. Sadly, I don't think we're in a position where our, let's say we've got, I don't know, 1,500 people who might be willing to put some money in. I can't see each of those putting in 10 grand or anything like that. Can you? No, I, I think you need to have, and for whatever reason we don't, but you need to have that like collective aspiration to actually think fan ownership is viable. But I think there are so many voices out there that are just like, no, no, rubbish. Why would we do that? There's, yeah, just, but there's, there's, <laughs> Exeter City down the road have done a pretty good job of it. Um, there are, there are many, many teams. Well, look at, look where Wrexham are now after a spell of uh, fan ownership. Like, the problem is you need to go through absolute crisis to uh, reach that point and maybe we are going through that but we're not there for whatever reason do you think that uh, Wrexham's situation has got anything to do with the fact that they are in they were in fan ownership because if I remember back to when we played them the first time at, at their place they were in fan ownership then and they were just as terrible as we are they were like bottom half of mid table yeah, no, no. Not really doing I mean, anything, or was it the fact that it tidied up the the balance sheets and so forth, so that the likes of Ryan Reynolds and the other one would uh, be interested? Yeah, I think it's more the fact that yeah, there was that there was that willingness and that body there to step in and yeah. stop it from going to the wall when it needed it. Whereas, I mean, I, I think perhaps the Glover's Trust are there. And perhaps that is, I know, from being on the board, it was always something we talked about being ready to be able to step in if we reached that absolute moment where it looked like something was going to go wrong and there was going to need to be funds raised. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the only organisation we've got that like has the legal capability to be able to step in and form a company to do it. But... Yeah. Nice idea. A great idea. Um, Callum Hallett asked another question this week on Twitter, similar to the Staunton one last week, and got mixed response. Would you rather Weymouth stay up and we play them next season, or they go down? Go down. Go down. Yeah, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Uh, if administration happens, this is from Nick Hayward, if administration happens, could we... Are we in a position to buy our club as a collective and who could front it? See previous answer and Ben Barron. Yeah, Ben's in charge. Ben's in charge. Barrett's at the wheel. Tell me how does it feel? Feels a bit weird. <laughs> Ban wingbacks. No yeah. at the back, please. Uh, former Glover's cast quiz champion Rob Manley. Uh, was it Turnbull for a second? Eh? Dethroned by a Turnbull, that guy. He, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're going to have like an ongoing character. <laughs> <I feel like. laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I feel guilty about not having said it before. But they can yeah. they can battle it out for the ultimate championship at the live show if they want. Hmm. Ooh, we dropped it. <laughs> not again. Um, he want, Rob wants our thoughts on Mr. Helly's interview with Three Valleys this week. Uh, ben, have you listened to it? Absolutely not. No, myself and Dave have. Um, could you see a successful future for YTFC with Martin Hellier at the wheel? In my opinion, a local man, some financial clout, and a desire to reunite land and clubs sounds a lot better than the current predicament. Well, I have to say that um, listen, having listened to his, uh, his, his interview, uh, I thought he came across very eloquently, um, very sensibly, so obviously a man who understands business. And I did, I did like an awful lot of what he said in as much as uh, in particular, I like the, um, I'm not going to ask Mark Cooper to come and sign off next, the end of year accounts, but equally, I'm not going to go and tell him uh, which, uh, who, who we should be signing, which is, um, which is very, um, very sensible. I mean, if we take the the rule of um, how we judge owners by what they do rather than, 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 than what they say, I mean, I'd, Nobody who's listening to this needs me to to tell you that Martin Halley has said an awful lot of things um, during his time on, um, on on social media as well, and I think people do judge him by some of those things he said. What I really liked about it is the fact that he is keeping this alive, um, and I know he's not the only one. There's long before us, and you mentioned when we spoke to Brendan before that you know, there are people banging the drum and, and, and shouting about this, but I, I do admire Martin's tenacity in keeping this this going, and there's obviously someone who's um, I can't, and he said it himself I can't really see any ulterior motive other than, you know, wanting to be the owner of a football club, which obviously comes as his own bit of status doesn't it so there may be a bit of that but equally no 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 harm in anyone who wants a, a bit of status and wants to do something uh, for their their community so yeah I like that I mean a lot of interesting points there particularly um Alex O'Loughlin has um put on the Facebook questions about um plenty of interesting points most concerning being that the rent will be quarterly starting with fifty thousand pound due next week brackets yikes Yikes indeed. Yikes indeed. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I agree with yeah, what you said there, Dave. I think um Martin comes across really well. Obviously, we were gonna have Martin on and uh the Tuesday the before the Thursday the stewardship was announced, um as we were about to talk. So uh yeah, I, I think the way Rob's framed it as well, like <laughs> it would be a lot better than the current predicament we are in. Um, I guess the, the, um, the thing that Martin has done, which is really keeping the conversation going is that whole council, you know, conversation, which like you said, Dave, we've talked about quite a bit, but it's still needs to be banging on that drum. I think the thing that, was the way he framed the I spoke to the council because you know the football club are a tenant on their property about buying the property but was told I I couldn't and yeah. it's like when you frame it like that that is all a bit silly yeah when he gave that uh, analogy about it's like um going down to the pawn shop 
pawning your watch for 50 quid and telling the uh, the pawn shop that you want to buy it back from 50 quid. They're not allowed to sell it to anybody else in between. Um, and oh, by the way, you want to wear your watch the whole time that you've uh, you've got the 50 quid in your pocket as well. So, um, yeah. And uh, we've said it before. I'll say it again. Council taxpayers of Somerset Unite. Um, that's your money that they've put in there. You're entitled to ask questions of your elected representatives. And uh, I don't think the fact that he's not South Somerset District Council any longer matters in the slightest. I think the decisions taken by that authority roll into the decisions taken of this authority. And there'll be lots of similar people who are in that body who are there now. So I don't know if there's lo are there local elections down in Somerset this, this year. No, no? no not now. Last year, weren't they? Mm. Well, you know, you go on the website, find out who your local councillor is, ask them that question, ask them what that, and, you know, don't take no for an answer. Ask them what is going on with that money, because that's what people, these people are elected for. They're elected to represent you, not the, you know, you elect them to um, spend money um, that you put in through your taxpayers' um, you know, council tax bill. So, anyway, get out there and get that out there and do it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Liam would like to know how many of the 40 odd players we've had this year would you want back for the National League South season if we're a club by then Grant Smith Josh Thornton Charlie Cooper Matt Worthington any advances no uh... I mean, we're going to need more than that because we're getting 11, aren't we? So we'll probably end up keeping some more than that. But yeah. If anyone is interested, by the way, there is a uh, Sporkle quiz that Marcus Duncombe sent me of trying to name all 43 players that have played for the club this season inside eight minutes. I've tried and I've failed. Yeah. Mm. Did you say Morgan Williams on your list, Dave? Oh, I didn't know, but that is a very good shout. Yes, Morgan Williams. Yeah, yeah, chuck him in. Um, Anyone else? Chuck him in. <laughs> chuck him in. Um, I would. Jordan Stevens. You say Jordan Stevens? I didn't. No. Um, probably hasn't played enough for me to uh, have too much of an opinion on him. But I did like what I saw. So, yeah, yeah. yeah go on. We're up to what are we up to? Five now. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll have Alex Fisher back when he's fit. Mm. Might not be next season, might it? Or might be a lot later into next season. Jordan Young, did you say Jordan Young? I didn't say Jordan Young, no. All these fantastic players that have really achieved for this season that I'm forgetting. They've all got they've all done their hamstrings though. That's the problem. Wow, yeah. True. <laughs> They're all knackered. <laughs> and they've all run themselves into the ground. Uh <laughs> right. Uh a question from Ross Clayton. This is the last one on Twitter. Um, what possible reason could Scott Priestnell have for letting the club slide into pending administration like it seems he is doing currently? Well, if you listen to Martin Hellier on Three Valleys Radio, um, to give a plug to that, he, um, he, does, he does talk about, um, about that and he does say, don't really know um, what, the, what the, the, the logic in it is because... Again, I'm no expert when it comes to administration, but if I remember rightly, the people who are, was it Martin says something about director of a, a, a business, which is, li is it li limited liability or something like that he talks about. Um, so basically, as a director, Scott Breesnell will be responsible for 
um, and looked into uh, and the, the, the decisions that have been taken will be closely scrutinized by that, that administrator. So, I mean, I, I, I would imagine if the club has got into the situation that it, it, it appears it has, and ultimately we don't know because nobody's telling us anything um, positively or negatively, then I can't imagine it's been fantastic decision-making all the way down the line. So, uh, yeah, I, I imagine somebody will be looking into to all of those decisions. So I can't think of a reason. I've said this uh, time and again. I can't think why Scott Priestnell wants to hold on to his role as chairman of Yeovil Town. Um, he's, 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 he's publicly said before that in previous situations with it, when obviously Simul Sports uh, were, were in the offing, that he was happy then to, um, well, he was, he, was, he was certainly negotiating with a view to he thought he was going to leave. Um, Martin Elliott said on this interview that he, um, uh, he offered him the club in, in, in October. So he's certainly shown that he's not adverse to the idea of getting rid of it. And I just don't understand the reason why he wants to, to keep it on. I mean, to be fair, he has left, hasn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, we haven't seen him for a year, have we? Since oh. uh, he rocked up at the... Uh, Alex Stock Lounge that time. I don't think we've seen him since then. Well, uh, he was at the Taunton pre-season friendly. Hmm. Oh, well. That was the last time I saw him. The last sighting in the wild, yeah. Mm. <laughs> in the wild. Yeah. And here we have Scott Priest. Uh, my, my best Attenborough, that. Yeah. <laughs> don't try again. No, I won't. No. Um, any on Facebook? Uh, we do have a couple on Facebook. Sorry, I had a minute. Um, okay, so um, I've mentioned Alex O'Loughlin's one. Um, I mean, a lot of them are a similar, similar kind of subject. Is there anyone who you believe when it comes to what is really going on at YTFC? Manager, owner, custodians, a council. If everyone does genuinely have the interest of the club at heart, why is it taking so long? That's from Chris Fletcher. Anyone you believe? I don't think anyone genuinely knows what is actually happening. I don't think anyone has the full picture. No. I include the people who are sat at a table trying to thrash out a deal. Surely between them, they can put this information together, no? Well, I don't know. I don't think they... I, I, have they got an honest... Has, look at the person who you're trying to buy the club off. Is, has he got an honest bone in his body? Well, yeah. I, 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 what if he's that? If he is that keen to get rid, why has he got rid? Why did he not get rid twelve months ago? That I just don't. I I don't believe that SU Glovers are being told the truth about the situation. I don't believe that Scott Priestnell is being told the truth about the situation. I just don't think anyone involved in this is fully aware of what's going on because people are clearly keeping bits of information from them and kicking cans down the road and yeah. for whatever reasons, no one knows. Yeah. Well, that was another good point Martin Elliott made about the fact that it's just everything seems to be about another week, another week, another week, like you say, kicking a can down the road. Ben, you're quiet. I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored of talking about this utter shower of soap opera sugar honey iced tea 
Honestly, just roll on the cricket season. Bored of it now. Is there a food question on Facebook? Uh, there's not, I'm afraid. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I won't ask any of them because I think we bet ben, ben, Ben's going to finish with us uh, if we if we carry on. But it's it's fine. I get it. I just we I'm just sick of it. We're all sick of it. Everyone's sick of it. I'm sick of saying the same things each and every week. Honestly, twenty uh, two thousand seven hundred forty one minutes and thirteen seconds until that final whistle goes at Borenwood, and they honestly can't come quick enough. This whole thing has just ground me to the ground. I'm I'm just bored of it. Bored of it. Ian, do you think we should tell him that when the, the game finishes, that doesn't finish all of this nonsense? <laughs> yeah. no, no, don't tell him. Don't tell him. You're right. Don't tell him. You're putting in a holiday request, Ben. Yeah, I think I might be. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I, I, I tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm really glad. Right, I am genuinely really glad. We've got a couple of things coming out in May to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of 2013. I'll get that plug ah. in. I am really glad that I've already got them in the books because otherwise I wouldn't be bothered. I just wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother doing them now. I've not got the wherewithal to be bothered putting in more effort than a dance like a lot of other people are putting in on a different area and I'm just just sick of it. So I've said it before and we'll say it again, Ben, but uh, our 2013 celebrations are down to one man and one man only and that's you. So, um, yeah. That's not, not the truth, but... Um, yeah, we have got Entirely some Entirely true. Because <laughs> I can tell you, I have done nothing. Zero. <laughs> Zilch. And I'm pretty sure Ian had done a lot. Yeah. So were you, Barrett? So it's all you. So you okay. take, the, take, the, take the credit, take the compliment, okay. and uh, yeah, move on with your life. I'm just, I'm also looking at the date thinking, oh yeah, Glover's passed next week. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Is it a goodie? It's, it's a very goodie. A very goody. A very goody. Right. Okay. Be excited, folks. Be excited. Uh, get to Boreham Wood. <laughs> get on oh, the going to enjoy it. Like, just <laughs> yeah. Get, get there. there and get, get there and get out. Yeah. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, he's found him by the deflection, it's Aaron Davis, he could win it, he probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh and it's an opening goal, what a start, Madden after just six minutes gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott, goal! 